Welcome to another episode of the Forward Together podcast. I'm Jared Bain, I work for Hollywood Trust and joined as always by Paul Gosling. Paul, how are you today? Good, thank you, Jared. Happy days. So, Paul, we're, we've got Anne Watt from Pivotal, a returning guest to the podcast. What's, what do you talk about with Anne this time around? Well, Pivotal is doing a review, really, of our society and our economy, uh, stage by stage. And uh, obviously, two of the core issues to be looked at are our skills base and also what happens to our young people going through the schooling system into the world of work. And we have serious problems around that, Gerard. Okay. So I think they've broken it down on the two different gaps or two different age brackets, if you like. So they looked at 14 to 19 year olds, and then they look at people, obviously 19, 18 plus to go to university. Um, I find it really interesting listening to the conversation that Anne's saying that we need to look at a few things, just a few small things like the suitability of our current careers advice, our current curriculum and attitudes to education. So no small fate that we have to address here. Yeah, these are themes which came through from the previous podcasts we've done, Gerard, I think, which is the, the conversation, for example, with Alan McBride around the, the, the lack of role models. And that leads into a, a lack of commitment, in particular amongst some working class communities with boys, not seeing the point of being at school in terms of an outcome. And if you have perhaps a more structured careers advice system, uh, higher quality careers advice, then perhaps that will help to get them on board. But what this means in terms of our economy is that we don't have people with the intermediate skills and the vocational skills. We, we tend to separate out people through the selective system either into those who are academically streamed that we expect to go to university or else those who sometimes feel rejected um, that they failed and therefore lose the commitment to get involved. I mean, we do know there are some excellent schools that do motivate their pupils, but we have far too many school leavers without the basic schools, much more than other parts of uh, the, the United Kingdom. So, I mean, that's really what um, Pivotal's report on 14 to 19 year olds ha- ha- has looked at. Okay, well, I think that's a good point to hear the conversation that you had with Anne. And I suppose what we, what we bring to any policy work that we do is uh, outside voice and independent voice, a really rigorous evidence-based analysis, which is challenging where it needs to be to the current provision Um, and also we really want to be informed by real life and we want to be informed by people with lived experience of the education system whether that's young people themselves or teachers or parents or employers and so in all our research we we do a policy and literature review stage but we also do uh, engagement stage where we're going out and we're collecting new original current data about Northern Ireland um, and so with 14 to 19 I suppose we were looking at the, the thinking about very much thinking about the group that you highlighted the group who may be not being served by the education system at present um, and who may, may be leaving school with very low levels of qualifications or no qualifications and therefore at risk of not getting employment or not going into further education. And so we wanted to look at that group, but we also wanted to look at, um, I suppose, young people who might be uh, achieving 
on paper more highly, but actually maybe they're maybe they're not being given the right kind of advice about where their future career might lie. Um, and so you know, looking at questions like the uh, whether young people are going down a, an academic route when actually they should be going going down a, a vocational route. So in our in our first stage report about 14 to 19s, we absolutely brought out this issue about young people who are who are disengaged from the education system and who the education system isn't serving very well. But we also brought out some other issues as well, like the the um, suitability of current careers advice, the content of it and, and how it's delivered. Um, also about the current curriculum, you know, is the current school curriculum delivering the right kind of learning for young people? Um, and we also wanted to look at this whole, whole issue of attitudes to further education and vocational routes versus more academic routes. So we identified some key issues in that first report and we're exploring those more now with um, this new research where we're talking to real people in the real world. So talking to young people and teachers, employers and parents as well. And am I to, uh, correctly understanding that one of the points you're making is that the the push towards inappropriate focus on academic development rather than vocational development is one of the factors that's damaging productivity in Northern Ireland's economy, the lack of vocational skills? Yeah, I think that, that's definitely right. You know, if we look at the um, skills barometer produced by the Economic Policy Centre at Ulster University, which is a really useful uh, piece of work that they do looking at the, the, the skills across the economy and the skills needs. We know that there's a shortage of what's called mid-tier skills. So NQF levels three to five, that, that kind of translates as professional and technical skills, um, advanced apprenticeships, foundation degrees. So there's a, there's a shortage of people with those skills. Meanwhile, there's a, a, a massive oversupply of people with no, no qualifications or very low qualifications. So qualifications like below GCSE level or certainly below five good GCSEs. Um, and there's a, a, a shortage of graduates in STEM subjects as well. So you've got the, the, that, those skills deficits, I suppose, you know, that mid-tier skills deficit. And that's where I would say the academic versus the vocational question comes in that actually more young people should probably be being encouraged to go down a vocational route um, to get those mid-tier skills um, at this sort of advanced apprenticeship level um, rather than pursue, pursuing a more academic route, which may not be, be suited to them. But we have, the, the I suppose, the classic situation that, that lots of countries would suffer from, that, that an, an, an academic route is seen, seen as more prestigious um, and more desirable, but that may not be right for young people. And so um, not right for the young people as individuals, but also not right for the for the economy either. Now, the other factor, it strikes me that uh, we have as a result of the difficulties with 14 to 19 year olds is, as you say, large proportions leave school without any real skills, uh, very mm -hmm. poor uh, educational outcomes. Now, that must feed into economic inactivity. Now, as I understand it, that's one of the factors in terms of the very high level of economic inactivity in Northern Ireland. Another would be caring responsibilities. Another would probably be the shortage of, of childcare. 
I mean, mm. how do you see the relationship between the 14 to 19 year old education system and economic inactivity? Yeah, so we know that um, 10% of 16 to 24s are not in employment education or training. So, you know, that's a huge cohort. Um, so I think, you know, that, that's the cohort that we need to be doing better for through the, four, the 14 to 19 stage. We shouldn't be having young people coming out of the education system um, and entering adulthood with, without um, either the qualifications behind them or being on track for those qualifications, either through employment or through being in further education. So I would see, I would see the, you know, the, the real policy need here is to get a, a system that recognises more broadly the, the, the challenges and the issues that, that young people who are becoming disengaged with the education system in, in their teenage years, it, it has a better recognition of those challenges. You know, I think I think there's a risk that the education system is just delivering quite an academic curriculum to young people, and it's not looking more broadly at the wider challenges that they're facing. You know, they may be facing um, health issues, mental health issues, issues in their home environment, um, issues in terms of their peer relationships, and those things are so consuming in their lives that they're they're not able to engage with education and we need a system that sees young people much more broadly in terms of their wider the wider challenges that they're facing and the wider support that they need and that isn't just trying to put them into a I suppose a, a more academic route so from what we've done so far on, on this research I think what we'll be recommending is looking much more much more broadly at young people and, and, and why they are becoming disengaged from education and trying to address those wider set of issues, you know, back to uh, the, the classic case of early intervention to try and, and prevent people becoming disengaged. So, so much more awareness of issues as they're emerging for young people rather than leaving it too late. I have to say I do particularly worry about the impact of, of school closures in the last year and a half on on this particular cohort because it seems to me there's an increased risk at the minute of young people who may have been on the, the I suppose on the on the, the cusp or on the brink of becoming um, disaffected with education and um, uh, no longer being engaged or on track there's a real danger with that period of school closures and, and the fact that they were not you know being being seen every day and turning up every day that that could lead to bigger numbers, unfortunately, becoming really really disengaged. So I think there's a there, I think this issue exists anyway, but it's a particular concern post COVID as well. Now, one of the issues that's repeatedly raised, of course, obviously, is school selection. But I wonder mm -hmm. whether the focus on school selection means that we don't give enough consideration to what happens to school pupils when they reach 16, 17, that actually the, the structure of our schooling system means that pupils are expected to go into sixth form within their existing schools, but competition between schools means that at that stage they don't have sufficient choice of examination subjects within any of those schools, and whether we should actually reform that process 
have a sixth form colleges that cross the community divide, uh, learn from the experience of England perhaps on that, or, or maybe there's another option. What, what, what's your own view on that? We, we haven't looked that much at the, the sort of structures, I suppose, through which um, education is delivered. But I would say on that, we should be offering young people much more of a mixed set of options. This, this um, very kind of uh, binary choice between you go to, you stay in sixth form and you do academic subjects or you go to FE college and you do more, well, potentially a mix of, of more academic subjects and, and, and um, vocational subjects. I think that's really unhelpful and it would be much better if we had a model where young people could actually do a mixture of both things in in, in whatever provision they are in. Um, and, you know, your point about having that delivered on a cross-community basis, obviously that would be really desirable in Northern Ireland as well. So I think moving away from this very um, binary choice between either you do academic or you do vocational, it's very, it would be really helpful. I think that would make that would make decisions easier for young people because they could actually uh, avoid having to make such a stark choice at um, at sixteen and maybe have uh, keep a few more balls in the air for longer about what their options might be for, for for the future. So more of a more of a mixture would be helpful and and the the kind of competition that we have at the minute between different um, uh, between different institutions delivering. Post sixteen education is probably not not that helpful either, because it may be you know that may be influencing young people to make what's actually not the right choice for for them as an individual. Now, one of the other implications of this focus on academic rather than vocational, perhaps, is the demand for university places, which, mm -hmm. as your other report uh, re from recently on loss of talent points out. Mm -hmm. Northern Ireland's just not able to meet the demand from Northern Ireland students in terms of university places. Uh, so, I mean, obviously that's got both an economic and a social impact in terms of what happens beyond the age at which those pupils go to university and stay in university. I mean, do you want to summarise the findings of your report on that? Sure, yeah. So, um, as well as the work on 14 to 19s, we've done a completely separate, but actually linked, as you've said, Paul, um, report about retaining and regaining talent in Northern Ireland. So this report looked at the really age-old issue of the brain drain, educational migration, and the fact that large numbers of young people leave Northern Ireland to study elsewhere. So that's, a, that's really a, a, something that people will be familiar with. It's been happening for many, many years. It's, I think it's really interesting that it's just become accepted as part of Northern Ireland society and the economy, that that's just what happens and nobody really challenges it. So in terms of the, the numbers, we know that there are um, around 17,500 young people from Northern Ireland studying at higher education institutions in GB, 17,500, which is a massive number. Um, and we know that only um, only around one third of them come back to Northern Ireland to work after graduation. So you've got this huge flow out of young people and then they don't come back again. Now, that in itself is quite, it's quite I suppose it's quite a, a stark contrast, you're losing so many talented young people. The other problematic is issue here is that we don't have an inflow of students to make up for the ones who go. 
So when we studied the, the numbers on this, which is in our first report on, on, on this subject, if you look at England, Scotland and Wales, they have um, inflows out, sorry, they are outflows of students who go away to study elsewhere, but they also have inflows of large numbers of students to, to compensate for that. And we don't get that in Northern Ireland. We only get about three and a half thousand students at any one time coming into Northern Ireland to study. So we don't have the, the, the replacement of the talent that goes. Um, and I think the thing that really shocked me when we did this topic was that, as I said before, this is so accepted as part of life here. But actually, there's no policy in place at all from the executive about the fact we lose so many talented young people who could be making a big contribution to Northern Ireland's human capital. Um, but there isn't there isn't a policy in place. In so much insofar as there is a policy, there's a policy about higher education spending in Northern Ireland and numbers, but that policy seems to be about limiting numbers and keeping keeping a, a cap or literally keeping a place but there's a, the maximum student numbers cap so keeping a cap on places and on spending there's no wider strategy asking well actually how many young people do we want to try to encourage to come back to northern ireland and um, there's no there's no strategy in place at all on that that the young people are going and we're just we're just accepting that um, I think it's important to say, I, I wouldn't be saying at all we should be keeping our young people here. I, I'd actually all be in favour of people going away, studying somewhere else, getting a different experience, um, you know, meeting other people, experiencing a different culture. But we should be doing much more, I would have thought, to encourage people to come back to Northern Ireland, to bring the, the, the skills and experience they've had elsewhere and to bring it back to Northern Ireland, you know, either after graduation or, or further down the line. But we've got, there's no policy in place for that either. I mean, the one fact which shocked me in reading the report, and I've been writing and reading around this subject for a lot of years now, is the extent to which there's been reduced spending in recent years on higher mm -hmm. education. That actually did shock me. Uh, I, mm. hadn't, I hadn't been aware of the extent to which the spend on universities had gone down, even while keeping broadly the same number of, of students in place. Yeah, no, that's right. And that's that's in our report. Um, the, the numbers, the, the, the Mazin cap has kept the numbers um, roughly the same over recent years, but spending in real terms is going down. Um, and if you think about that, you know, that must be impacting on the, um, the, the, the student experience for young people, um, as well as uh, obviously impacting on the, the numbers of the numbers you can actually access at, at higher education place here. So in, in our report, we looked at, um, I guess, the push and the, the pull factors for, for why young people leave. So some, some young people leave who are what you'd call determined leavers, and they leave because they want to go and do a course that's only available somewhere else, or they want to go to a higher education institution with a certain reputation, um, or they just want to get away and, and, and live, live and study somewhere else. So there's determined leavers, but then there's a whole set of what we, what we call reluctant leavers who are young people who leave because there isn't a place for them in Northern Ireland. And so they go to, um, they go away when actually they would have stayed if there'd been the opportunity to do that. And, and your, your point there about how 
funding is actually falling in real terms, um, you know, demonstrates how, although the, I suppose, the, the, the maximum numbers are, have roughly stayed the same over recent years, the, the spending that's going in from the government into higher education has been falling away. I think there's a really interesting point here, Paul, about um, a, a review that there was in 2015. Um, I think it was called the Big Conversation. It was done by the Department for Employment and Learning, as it was then. And that was a, a, a really thorough review and a, quite an open process looking at higher education funding in Northern Ireland and looking at different options for public and private funding. And it seemed to be, from what we could see, just looking back on what was published at the time, it seemed to be a very helpful, longer-term bit of strategy thinking. But unfortunately, it went nowhere. That was back in 2015. And I suppose that then headed into, uh, you know, heading into 2017 and three years without the executive in place. But it would seem to me that that kind of conversation where you're you're having a, a, a longer term, more strategic conversation about higher education funding, I think that really needs to be revisited and revived now to to start asking asking ourselves really quite fundamental questions about the amount the amount of funding and asking those bigger questions. You know not just about the higher education sector, but also about how is that contributing to the Northern Ireland economy overall. Now, you're quite right, Anne, as, as you say, about the fact that the anxiety is around, I think, spend rather than anything else. I mean, mm. uh, I, I've had conversations with senior civil servants on, on a private basis around some of this, and their anxieties was to control expenditure and also the, the anxiety, and it was an anxiety, that if you have more graduates, you'll have more unemployed graduates. And they're very, very concerned about the rate of mm. graduate unemployment, which leads me on to a separate question related question, which is the extent to which those graduates who study in Northern Ireland, uh, who graduate well, then go into the civil service rather than into the private sector. Now, Esmond Burney at Ulster University has done significant research showing the weakness in skills in management in parts of the private sector, in particular the, the yes. SME sector. And that seems to me to be where a lot of our problem around productivity is, that we don't have that flow of graduates emerging, going into the private sector to, to strengthen those and to raise productivities within those businesses. Would you share that analysis? Yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, um, what we've looked at is uh, we find a, a shortage of graduates in the STEM subjects, as I mentioned before, which would be the ones that would be driving innovation and entrepreneurship and, 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 and productivity. So there's a shortage of graduates in those subjects. Um, and I know that, to be fair to the executive, they are trying to boost those, those numbers for, 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 for that reason. Um, so I think, I mean, there's a bit of a, there is a circular argument here, obviously, about, um, and you can see the concern that you highlighted there about you don't want to create a whole lot of unemployed graduates, but I suppose it's a case of thinking about um, where are the, where's the real need in the economy and trying to direct young people more towards those type of courses. And maybe it's also about thinking about partnerships with employers who have, who are in um, growth sectors and how they could support um, 
you know, maybe they can help support graduates uh, through providing funding or some assistance towards fees or some kind of connection to an employer through 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 their course. So there, I'm sure there's a lot more that could be could be done there about particular subjects. Thanks, Han. That's that's a really useful overview. I mean, in summary, what do you believe is the connection between education and skills? Because it feels sometimes to me that the education system is less focused on on the skills that are needed by the economy and we need to actually rethink about the purpose of education and clearly it's not even serving perhaps the 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 the, the best psychological mental health benefits of of, of the pupils i mean do we need to think, yeah. rethink what the purpose of school is yeah, look, um, I would love to do a piece of work about that, which looked at the looked at the school curriculum and asked whether we are teaching our children the right kind of things. It seems to me that we're teaching our children to do exams, and and we're actually it's not just that we're actually teaching our children to do a particular kind of exams, and that's and that's what we say is success that you can. Um, you know, you can retain this kind of information and and put it down in an exam paper and then get a good grade. You know, that's success. But actually, in the real world, employers are looking for transferable skills. They're not looking for knowledge retention um, necessarily. Um, they're looking for digital skills, but they're also looking for soft skills. They're looking for teamworking and problem solving and presentation skills. And I think all of that is really marginalised in the in the curriculum. You know, it might be there might be a little bit of it around the edges, but it's um, it's not given. It's certainly not given centre stage. Um, and so I think there's a there would be a really I'd love to do a pivotal project on the school curriculum and whether it's equipping our young people for the skills that are needed in the current job market, let alone the the future job market. And I think perhaps the associated thing is whether there's within some schools a culture of trying to persuade pupils to, to conform rather than the <laughs> capacity to think for themselves and to be free thinking, innovative. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Anne. Yep. That's a really interesting conversation that we've had today. Thank you very much indeed. And good luck. Thank you, Paul. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Okay. Thanks, Cheers. Paul. Thank you. Okay, Paul. So Yourself and Anne touched on loads of stuff there about the education system. Before we heard the conversation, we talked about the 14 to 19-year-old report. But Pavadal also put a lot of effort and time into looking at our where uh, young people go to university, where people go, do people come here, do they come back? And the statistics around that are frightening. And uh, 17,500 people from Northern Ireland study on GB, and only 3,500 people come the other way on any one time. That can't be, and only a third of the people go away, come back. That can't lead to a sustainable economy, can it? No, I mean, typically, uh, people who go to university continue to live somewhere close to that university after they graduate. So when you lose large numbers of students, you're losing them as members of the labour market in the years going forward. And these are the highly skilled people. Um, and we don't have the full range of studies of courses in Northern Ireland that perhaps we need for either career development or for the benefit of the economy. I mean, we have what's called, you know, a very low production, low productivity economy. 
And, and you can see why that is, because we're not getting the vocational skills and because we're lot, losing a lot of our graduates to other places. And a large number of graduates, as we say in the conversation, uh, go into the public sector rather than into the private sector. And then you have a private sector that perhaps doesn't benefit from the skills it needs in order to expand. And we end up with an economy where you have lots of small businesses, but not very many that develop from being small into much larger. So you can see that picture developing about what happens out of our education and skill system and how that affects our economy. Yeah, I loved how you ended the conversation around, are we teaching children the right things or are we just teaching them to do exams? You know, that has to be an issue. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, we don't have the skills that we need, but actually, what is the schooling system for? I mean, mm. you know, one of my personal grievances is that too many schools, I think, teach children to conform and to behave rather than necessarily to think for themselves. And you need that innovation, that entrepreneurial spirit in your economy to, to create, uh, you know, a, a economically successful uh, place. Yeah, too right, too right. So huge challenges ahead. Paul, thank you for taking the time to uh, interview Anne and thanks to Anne uh, for giving us our time so freely. And thanks also to Michael Barways for pulling this podcast together and as always to our funder of the Community Relations Council for Northern Ireland. So that's it for this podcast and we'll speak to you again soon.